when your time management system isn't working, what do you do? Do you junk it in favor of something else or do you clean up what you have? I enjoyed being Francis Wade's guest on this podcast episode. We're repurposing that episode here today. The Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, Episode 20. When it comes to task management, you know that one size doesn't fit all. You already know that. And you're someone who has increased your workflow over the years. You have more tasks than ever and a future of more task management, not less. At the moment, your current approach works, but you suspect that it may run into problems as you add a new project, add a new child to your family, pick up a new hobby, one of your parents gets ill or needs some extra support, you take on a new sport, decide to do a marathon, you want to travel the world, you get a promotion, you decide to go back and get a master's degree, and so on and so forth. How do you adjust your approach when you realize that you need to change your methods because and as your task manage, task volume increases. And you can only see a future of more tasks. Knowing that this is a problem just isn't enough. You want more. Tune into this episode to hear from me and my special guest, Dr. Frank Buck, as we solve this challenging problem together. Welcome to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. So welcome back. So as you see, we have a special guest for this episode, Dr. Frank Buck. And before I introduce Frank, let me welcome you in case you, this is the first time you're actually listening to one of the podcasts here at the time, Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. And we follow a slightly different format, actually a very different format from most podcasts. What do we do? Well, we spend the first part of the episode pulling apart the problem. So we spend a great deal of time on diagnosis. Our belief is that if you understand the problem, you'll actually be better equipped to solve it. So that's the first part. In the second part, we go into solutions, which is all about putting our heads together, trying to come up with something maybe that neither of us have even thought of before. So we'll bring all of our prior thoughts and our thinking. And we're also looking for that golden moment where one on one equals three. And if that happens, you'll hear a bell in the background. And that will be a sig that'll signify that we've come across something brand new and we've innovated something fresh for this podcast. If, however, we get to the end and there is nothing there that's new, I'll also put in a buzzer just to keep things fair. So we have a bell and a buzzer, like this is a boxing ring, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, so just before I introduce Frank, let me just tell you a story. And the story is about a fellow named Peter. Peter works as a well-known task management app developer. Well, just, just like the ones you probably heard of, like a Trello or a Todoist. He did well during his first two years on the job, but a promotion to senior project manager has been difficult. Why? Well, Peter leads up three teams, totaling 15 people in all. And the complex projects they're working on translate to hundreds of tasks. So as a result, he's got to make sure 
that they're all done in order to move each of these projects forward. He uses the app the company sells to the public, but he starts to think that it's not well suited for his new job. All of a sudden, unexpected errors are reappearing. The kind of things he had thought he had gotten over a long time ago, like his inbox, which now has 345 unread messages in two weeks. So he went from zero inbox to 345 in the inbox in just two weeks, just about the time he got promoted. Now, he can't just stop using the company's app because that would be like blasphemy. In fact, he also gets a commission every time one of his trainees or a prospect or a customer starts using the app for the first time. So he's got to be a role model. You can't sell what you don't use. Right. You got to eat your own dog food. Or else it could reduce his sales and the word will get out. And next thing he's, people are saying on Twitter that the people at the app company aren't even using their own app. They're off doing other things. What should he do? Well, that's why we brought up Dr. Frank Buck to be with us in our episode to delve into this and all other problems related to the one that Peter has. By way of introduction, Frank Buck is ranked number one in the world by Global Guru's Top 30 in Time Management. He's a speaker, productivity coach, and author of Get Organized and Get Organized Digitally. He helps busy professionals achieve total control over their time and the peace of mind that nothing is falling through the cracks. Frank Buck, welcome to the Task Management and Time Bucking Podcast. Branch, it's great to be here. We uh, we have worked on so many projects together over the last uh, several years, and I'm de- de- delighted to be here. And maybe we can solve Peter's problem. I'm hoping that we can put our heads together and come up with something that the world has never seen before. And we Absolutely. shall see. <laughs> Sometimes it happens. Well, to be honest, it's, so far it's happened on each episode. No pressure, but we've not had the buzzer. Uh, come into play on any prior episode yet. So the problem is that Peter is going through a transition mm-hmm. and he's clinging to the prior way of doing things. And this is not unusual, is it? Right. Right. But so what worked before is not working now. Right. And he's he's not he he's 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 suspicious, but he's not exactly sure because when this happens for the first time. It certainly happened with me. You double guess yourself and triple guess, and you you second guess, second, third, fourth. You 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 think that you're not doing it right because you know you he if he's like anybody else, he go back to the manual, the how to use the app book or program, mm-hmm. and he'd think he's doing something wrong, right? Because he, he exactly. his first yeah. thought is that I'm not I'm wrong. And I'm not doing something right. Correct? That's the, that, you know, to me, that's the thought I would have. I would go first to, is there something I can do better? Because he's got a dilemma. Uh, the, he, he's selling this app. You know, he, he works for this company that's making its livelihood off of this app. You can't very well say, well, gosh, this app doesn't work. You know, we actually do something. And as you said so beautifully, Francis, you must eat your own dog food. (laughs) So (laughs) the first thought I would have is, is there something I'm doing wrong? And yes, if there's an owner's manual, go back and and see, Ken, is there some way we can use this software better? And he probably talked to some people who would 
reaffirm that. You know, there's a lot of people who've used an app or an approach like GTD uh-huh. who ask other people, why is it not working? And their advice is to double down, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, he can ask the people who are there in the company using the app. I think he also needs to ask people outside the company who maybe have used the app, left the app, use a different app, are familiar with a lot of apps. You know, because I, I think we see a lot of commonalities. And even though maybe I don't use the piece of software that Peter does, I know the kinds of things that I'm expecting it to do. You know, for example, I'm expecting to be able to assign a date to a task, um, assign a repeating pattern to that task, to be able to forward emails to that task app. So there may be a little something that Peter's missing within that piece of software that someone else who doesn't even know that software says now, in your software, can you do X? You know, can you forward an email into it? And Peter goes, what? You can do that kind of thing? So he didn't even know the capability was there. That would solve, would help him with the overflowing hundreds and hundreds of emails in the inbox, many of which are in the inbox because they're reminders of things that Peter has to do. Right. And, so, and you know, Peter's yeah. a good salesperson, right? He believes, yeah. he's, he's evangelical about mm-hmm. his software so absolutely yes he doesn't go talking to the enemy <laughs> he doesn't, go, he doesn't yeah. go to the church of satan and start to ask right yeah because yeah. his you know he's he makes a living from selling mm-hmm. the app in part and he convinces people that this is the best thing and when they come to him and say yeah but what about this other feature he says no you don't want to use that and part of that is because he sincerely believes you know, like many people who believe in GTD or Trello or Pomodoro or anything, he sincerely believes that it's the real thing and the right thing to do. And he has a financial incentive to, to keep pushing it. So he, you know, flirting with the enemy and finding out what other people are doing is difficult for him. You know? And it is for most, for most people, once you settle on an app and if you become sort of a real believer or you settle on an approach, and you start to evangelize it to other people, you don't give it up lightly. It's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I've been there. I've been there myself. You know, when when a piece of of software goes belly up or when the management at a, uh, you know, at, at a piece of software, when the president sells the company to someone else who immediately starts dismantling things, I've been through it. Um, and, you know, jump ship, went to something else, told followers, look, I no longer use this piece of software I, because for the following reasons, here's where I went. Here's why I went there. Uh, here's what I'm recommending to you. And here's a good on ramp. I put together an ebook that'll help you get there quickly. Of course, if I'm selling that first piece of software, I can't exactly do that unless I've now gone to work for the other guys. <laughs> you know, if I'm stuck working at that company, I'm I'm selling that piece of software. It's it's one of those things where I've got to make it work. Now, I think one of the ways to make it work is to get familiar with the competitors 
Yeah, I mean, you always want to be uh, cognizant of what your competitors are doing so that you know where you're better than they are and you can shout it from the mountaintops and know where you're not nearly as good as they are so that you can hopefully avoid that part of the conversation. But in in doing so, you you peel back that onion of what are the good things about the competitor's software. One thing you may find is that your piece of software has that and you just didn't know it. You know, in that movie about Dorothy and she wants to get to Kansas, how long did she spend before she figured out that the ruby slipper she had on her feet the whole time gave her the easy answer? She was trying something much more difficult. So number one, we can find that, ah, there's something our software will actually do that we just didn't know. Uh, until we ask the right question of the right person. And then secondly, if it really won't do what it needs to do, when you're inside the company, you are in the perfect position to ask the right questions of the right people and make some improvements in the software. If if you get to the right pair of ears and eyes, um, but, but I would have to come away down the pike because he'd have to, he'd have to have that. I, 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 let's, let's 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 call it the early inkling, the first inkling. Mm-hmm. And for me, it happened when I was um, leading programs for a company in about two thousand one. My mom did the program, and I, I, I visit, I talked to her maybe like a, six months later. Yeah, and she, I said, "Well, how's it working?" And she said, "Oh, I'm not using any of that stuff." <laughs> and I said. Well, why not? And she, she said, well, it's not really for me. You know, I'm, I'm retired. I don't need that kind of thing. And and I thought this is kind of like, you know, I didn't have kids. So this was my firstborn. Yeah. And she was like denying my my child and, and saying that, you know, it was no good. Um, I felt per- I took it personally. So I tried to correct her ways like an idiot. But it, it, it dawned on me somewhere around there that one size didn't fit all. Because I couldn't negate her experience, mm-hmm. and if this if this worked, the first thing I thought was maybe it works for busy people who are still in the job. But then I started to talk to other people who done the program, and it started to dawn on me that one size doesn't fit all. So mm-hmm. for Peter to get to to the point where he goes back into the company and starts to ask for more features, it would have to dawn on him that maybe. All of us don't use the same thing the same way for the same end result. And that from, that's what some of yeah. us, after we've drunk the Kool-Aid and after we've come to believe in whatever we're doing, is a bit of a hard way to go. And there are folks listening to this who are, in their mind, they're saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm. <laughs> and and they're, we're, we're kind of shedding a light that maybe one size doesn't fit all and maybe what you think to be correct and true and right may not be mm-hmm. and maybe um, you shed light in, maybe go check out just like you said check out the other apps that are out there open your mind just a little bit to what people are doing they are good people get your mom involved because you can't say that she's a bad person and she doesn't know what she's doing you, know, you can only go so far when it's your mom right exactly and, um, yeah yeah and start to talk to the people who are in the company the designers not just the fan base Mm-hmm. And ask them, how come this doesn't have this particular feature? 
and start to query and start to open your mind up. It's like, for me, it was an epiphany. Um, and I think for, for many people, it might be just this, it's like a little crack that opens up. Right. And all of a yeah. sudden, the sun, the light starts coming in and it's like, oh. But that explains why this is not an easy, an easy transition for some to make, you know, mm-hmm. because the, there are, there are many who believe that one size should fit all. Right. That you have to it, use. Mm-hmm. And you really shouldn't. What I'm doing is the right way. And you should follow what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, you know, the feature is not in that particular piece of software, but there is a workaround. You know, if you right. know, if you know the end, you know where you're trying to get, you know what you want the software to do. Maybe that particular feature is not built in. But there's another way to skin the cat, as we say here in the South, that there right. is a, a workaround. That's that's one thought that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, and, and another thought that comes to mind as we're having this conversation about Peter, who evidently has some real strengths and he's moving through the company and he's been successful with the software and his workflow. But now the responsibilities have changed. And what worked in the past, he doesn't foresee working in the future. And I think any of us out there, as we move through our careers, we're moving from um, handling tasks others are giving to us, where we show up to work and our to-do list has been prepared by somebody else, to we show up at work and we're doing the work that we are able to define. And then at some point in our career, We're doing the work with other people, that the project is one that's so large that it's not something I produce on my own, and here's the end result. It's I've got to be in collaboration with other people all day long, and we've all got to know who's got what part of the puzzle, where are each of us, and then at some point in our career, we're getting work done through other people, where our job is maybe to do the smoozing with other higher-ups and uh, solicit the funding, uh, get the grants, that sort of thing. Be the face of the company, and the day-to-day operations are being handled by somebody else, but we can't just have the confidence, well, that's being handled. Um, How do we stay on top of who's got what, who's doing what they're supposed to, where are the balls being dropped? So, Totally different requirements of our system, right? That's and a, that's so a nice three-step model. Did you did you did you have that one coming into the coming into the show before, or did you just invent that one on the fly, Frank? Well, it, <laughs> it's good one. It in a way invented it on the fly, but I mean, if I look back at my own career, you know, yeah. I was a junior high band director. Well, and the the very first day, uh, here here's the red book as as everybody on the faculty knew, it was the notebook that had every question you needed answered was in the red book. Very well, very put red together book. principle. Uh-huh. But then as far as really running the band program itself, I had to do the inventing there. You know, it, it, it wasn't like the teacher down the hall from me knew how to do band. No, he knew how to teach art and he did it successfully. And she knew how to teach speech and drama. But the to-do list as far as getting that spring concert going and it being successful, that was me. 
And then now I'm a principal and now I'm getting work done through other people. So how can we make sure that teachers have what they need and that they're doing what they need to do and they're collaborating like they need to collaborate and the things that make you successful at one point may not make you successful somewhere else. You know, I've seen, I have seen people who weren't very good teachers who were successful principals principals. because they knew how to motivate other people, get them more together, that that sort of thing. Uh, It it is the exception rather than the rule. I've also seen people who were phenomenal teachers. They could get, you know, close the door, let me have my 20 kids and I can do wonders. But then when they were in charge of the whole building, it was like, right. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my ding. (laughs) If I, if if my beep, if my beep was working, I'd beat no, because that three, three level invention that you just did is exactly why we're here to quote with brand new stuff like that. It's a great example. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Peter, so Peter, and I think almost everyone who goes through that maturity, the three levels of the Frank Buck maturity model. What I, happened? I could sell that now. See, I, the, I, came the up with it. <laughs> I gave I, the FBMM. Yeah. For the people who go through that, which is most people who have a successful career, the more successful, the more you transition from a low volume of tasks, which somebody else gives you, mm-hmm. to a very, very high volume of tasks, which Following the FBMM, you are giving yourself for the most part. Yes. Because when you're a principal, you don't have a chairman who is on you every day telling you what to do and micromanaging. Or well, if you do, it's, right. it, it, it will kill you. It will cripple you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it can't work that way. Instead, you're the one assigning yourself tasks. And as you become more adept at it, as you go from teacher to administrator to principal, by the end of it, you're lying in bed at 10 o'clock at night. And your mind is creating more tasks because that's what you do. It mm-hmm. gives you're assigning yourself more and more to do. Yeah. And the problem that Peter has is he he doesn't know. He, even if he realizes that one size doesn't fit all, he may not know that task volume is an important determinant of the system you need to create. And the task volume he had as a entry level um, salesperson or trainer is very different than he had as the project manager of three teams and 15 people working for him. So he may not catch that as the volume of tasks increases, the app that the company sells is perfect for down here, but not so good for up here. Yes. Absolutely. That's the. core problem that we have um we're talking about today is that people who know that one size doesn't fit all and i've seen all kinds of explanations i've I've, I've seen personality explanations that say oh if you're this kind of personality use this kind of task management tool or approach or if you're in this profession oh use this and but the 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 core idea that task volume and if you're if you're if you're if you've not heard this idea before, let me let me just do a quick explanation. It's like imagine Frank, if you invite if you invited me over to help you move some dirt around, 
And I said, oh, great, sure. I'll, I'll, if I lived in Alabama, of course, I'd have to do mm-hmm. that. Um, I'd say, sure, Frank, I'll, I'll come over and help you move that dirt around. And the night before I'm supposed to head over to Frank, you know, I go to my garage and I pull up my trowel, you know, my hand, my hand shovel. And I show up the next day at Frank's and he says, where are you going with that? And I said, we're going to move some dirt around, right? We're going to. You're going to pot some plants, right? Not much he dirt says, we're not. Yeah. No. <laughs> he said, I wanted you to go pick up the pick up the front end loader from U-Haul. Right. <laughs> bring, it, bring that with you. I'd pay you back, but that's what I wanted you. Didn't you get that part of the message? And I'm like, a front end? What are you trying to do? And he, he take me to the back of the back of the property. And I look at this hole that you built because you want to build, build a, a 20-foot pit using the front end loader mm-hmm. and i look i'm holding my trowel in my hand and i'm looking looking at the, the space that you mapped out and i'm thinking oh it's still about moving dirt but it's a way more dirt than i imagined and the tool mm-hmm. that i have in my hand is useless yeah in helping you to move that volume of dirt right and that's and, the same thing that happens in real life and of course the With tool that. that you had would have been great if it had been we're going to fill a few flower plot pots and in fact, the front end loader would not have worked at all. You that know? would have been a disaster. <laughs> it, would, it, would, it would have been an absolute disaster. So, you know, the, the right tool for the right job. Exactly. And, and and I think also using the tool for the job. See, an, another thing that I see so much is people, when something doesn't work, the first thing they want to do is get another piece of software, adopt a new system. They do. And I did a lot of that. It, it, if you looked at my very first formal time management, productivity, organization system, it was as a senior in high school. So now we're talking 1976. And mine was an index card for the day. It was in my pocket. On the front of the index card, there were my marching orders for the day, any appointment I had, any particular thing I needed to do, and, and then anything that came up during the back, during the day. Um, homework assignments, uh, pretty girl gives me her phone number. Whatever came up during the day went on the back of the card, on the back of the card. So now when I get home, I've got exactly one job, handle the card do what I can do and what needs to be done at some time in the future, start a card for that day. So now that would not work for me today. The volume <laughs> of stuff wouldn't work for me today, but you know what does work? The idea of on the front of the card predetermined, here's what I had told myself at some time in the past, I wanted to be doing that day. That lives on right now, and it's on a, an expensive phone that's sent right. to an expensive computer. It's bouncing off satellites, all that good kind right. of stuff. And then whatever does come up during the day, instead of going on the back of an index card, I'm throwing it as a, in as a task and remember the milk, usually with my voice. And then there's the little remember the milk inbox. Right. Frank, here's everything that you threw at me today. It's the back of the index card from 1976. So I think a lot of this is looking at those principles with a PLE right. that right. are are timeless. Right. And 
you know, instead of junking the system, and 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 actually, the, the thing that took me back to that was to say that yeah, since 1976 to now, a lot of water's gone across the dam, and mm-hmm. as things started not to work, my inclination was. I need a new system. This system's not working. I need a new system. And so the new system would always work until it didn't. Right. And I would do a new system. And that would work beautifully. Until, until it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> and so what I finally was smart enough to figure out after several decades was during the process of changing my system, I was cleaning it up. And so I was starting with something that was clean. No wonder it worked. So now every time I get the idea that, oh, I need a new system, the smart part of my brain tells the dumb part, no, you don't need a new system. You need to clean up the one you have. Yeah. You don't need a new house because it's all cluttered. You need to clear up the clutter in your house. You need some garbage bags and you need to sit down and you need to make some decisions. And so many people don't make those decisions. They just go, oh, well, let me get that piece of software. It Right. I just saw a YouTube video and it worked great on the YouTube video. It worked great on the YouTube video for the guy who only had five things on his to-do list. Yeah. If you have, you notice that, that software apps in their advertisements, they never have more than like 10. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. always have a really small number, which is, which, you know, it helps for the selling point, but it doesn't help you to make the transition because someone who did what you did, and jumped from one to the other may think that there's something very wrong with their jumping from one to the other. They, they may not see that the, there's this invisible task volume that's increasing in the background. Yes. And what they're doing is they're scaling up. No, they may not follow the smoothest process to scale up, but they might think that something is, is wrong and they might unwittingly or mistakenly, I did this. I went from time blocking I used to I used to keep lists. I learned about time blocking, started doing it, ran into some difficulty, went back to listing, keeping lists, stopped time blocking and stopped using my calendar because I didn't know what else to try. I had no map of the universe to say, oh, it goes in a particular order. And I went back to um, keeping lists, got rid of the time blocking. Things got 10 times worse. I said, no, no, that was not going to make any sense. What was I doing? I had to go back now to time blocking. So I made this zigzag progression. It wasn't a progression. It was, it was back and forth. Because, uh-huh. you know, if we stick to the one, we stick to the one level or we bounce between levels, then we don't quite understand why we need to change. We see an ad. We see uh, somebody makes a recommendation to us. We change. And then it doesn't work and we don't know why it changes. So we're left floundering because we don't really have a, a philosophy. We don't understand uh, yeah. the principles behind. We can't, I guess you could be like, a, you know, someone who tries something for the first time and you get some luck. Mm-hmm. But then it gets measurably more difficult. And you don't know why, because you never really understood the principles to begin with. You basically locked out on some practices. And that leads you to yeah. try all kinds of things and to get into this kind of state that Peter finds himself in, where it's like, what do I do? Do I stick to what I have? Do I change what I have? But really, what, 
what I think we're saying is that without the understanding behind it of the principles, like the principle that you you shared of, mm-hmm. of capturing and planning a day, capturing yes. your tasks yep. and planning a day, the principle never changed, but the the method of applying it needed to change. And now you can look back and you can understand, oh, okay. I was doing my best without understanding the principles behind it. But now I can see the principles at play and I can help other people to do it. But when you don't know these principles and you find yourself floundering, you either cling to what you think you know or you bounce around randomly and it's a it's a tough spot to be in, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's like Lucy and Ethel in the candy factory, you know, and I think it, everybody, I, I, have you seen that? You, I'm sure you've seen Is that. that Charlie, the, Charlie, the chocolate factory. No, no. Lucy and Ethel from I love Lucy. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yes. It doesn't matter someone's age or where they grew up on the, on the, on planet earth. Everybody knows that episode of I Love Lucy where the, you know, and, and it looks easy at first, you know, there are only a few pieces of candy and the uh, conveyor belt is moving very slowly. Now, if they had any idea what was about to happen, they would probably have spent some time fashioning some kind of little machine that would help them wrap chocolate quicker, box chocolate quicker, that sort of thing. Instead of just trying to work faster using tools that weren't working for them. They were working a whole lot more than they really needed to be working and and weren't getting the results. Yeah. Just great great visual example. (laughs) Fantastic. You know, it, 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 but it's, it's, it, it actually mirrors what we try to do because we, we try to, we try to move faster. We try to pedal faster in Mm -hmm. the water. We don't see the progress and Mm -hmm. we don't know why we We make mistakes. We make mistakes. We make, we mm -hmm. think, we, we, we try doubling down. Mm-hmm. We try to ask people for help. But the truth is that the, the people like you or I, experts, we don't talk about task volume. It's not studied. And, and I, I, as someone who I spent a whole lot of time in academic journals looking for people who looking for research that kind of points to what we're talking about. And it, I, in the area of task management, I've not found it. I, I, could, mm-hmm. I could find parallel studies in industrial engineering, which happens to be my, my background, but they have to do with factories. They have to do with physical mm-hmm. objects, not psychological objects. And yeah. the two of them don't behave the same. So the research isn't there. And people like, people like you or I, experts in task management who, who study this thing for a living, productivity experts, we're not really clear about the relationship. I can tell it, like I say this from talking to other productivity experts. We don't have a really clear message about it. We just kind of say that this will work better for you, but we don't say under what conditions or why. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the job that we're not, we're not bringing this kind of understanding to the general audience so that people can know what worked for me in high school just won't work for me as an adult. And the reason is just, you know, it's, it's, Lucy and Ethel all over again. <laughs> right. Yeah. I need to back up a step and say, okay, if they're going to increase the number of chocolates coming down, I need to change my approach. Mm-hmm. And 
need to step back and think. But we're not doing a, a, a part of. I'll, I'll criticize people, folks like us, and say, you know, when we're coaching or training or writing books, it's easier to sell one size fits all stuff, isn't it? It is, and and to portray it. Um, as if you don't have much to do, you know, here's yeah. your to-do list for tomorrow with my software. And there's only yeah. three things on it. Three and, things. and then you even get the people that say, you know, I'll just only pick three things to do during the day, do those three, and then keep that big long list somewhere else and just pick three things to do and leave the 300 things over there on the list. And that works great. The first day you do those three things and the world didn't come crashing down and you feel great. And so the next day you pick three things, only now the list over there is not 300, it's 350. And then after, you know, after doing this for a week and you've been doing three things each day and your list over there is now 972 and there are no clean dishes because they're all in the sink. And the grass is now a foot tall because you hadn't mowed it because that wasn't one of the top three. And, you know, then suddenly the electricity's cut off because you didn't pay the bill because that hadn't risen to one of the top three. And your inbox is exploding. And, yeah. And, and, you know, and people say, well, a few weeks you know, ago, no. Delegate, delegate those things. Well, that's great. You know, if you've got somebody to delegate to, most of us wind up being the person that other people are delegating to. You know, at some point, somebody's got to be the one to empty the dishwasher, you know, for crying out loud. We, right. Yeah, we want to handle the big things, but somebody's got to handle the little things as well. And a lot of times that somebody is us. So do we have procedures that will allow us to handle a whole bunch of things? You know, I I have my little list for that. I handle once a week, little no brainer kind of stuff and just handle this back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Like one of them is just once every two weeks, Go outside, open the crawl space under the house to make sure there's no water underneath there. Okay? That's not exactly like writing the great American novel. And so far, knock on wood, there hadn't been any water, been any water under there. But the day that it's a foot deep, I'd sure like to know that then instead of six months down the road when right. the foundation is now you know, is now crumbling. Um, so you still got to check on that crawl space, at, no matter what you yeah. president of the United States and that crawl space has got to be checked. We, you know, we've all, yeah. You know, we've all got those little on a regular basis, dumb little things. They aren't glamorous, uh, but they have to be done. So can we put them into some kind of routine so that, so that number one, they were not waking up in the middle of the night thinking about, Oh, I need to check under the crawl space. I hadn't done right. that in a while. Just put it on a list where, you know, once a week you're going and handling a dozen of these things that once a month you're handling 20 or 30 things that need to right. be handled, checked, looked at whatever right. about once a month. Right. and you're not beating yourself up about being so dumb about forgetting all of it. Because let's face it, none of us can remember all the things that are on our plate. It, it just, it doesn't work. I was lucky enough to have realized that 
as a senior in high school, because up to that point, I was going from, I can remember that, page 57 in math. That's my homework tonight. I can remember that. Heck, I'll stick a piece of paper in the math book and, and I'll just do it in study hall and won't even have to take the math book home. That worked until the senior year in high school. And at that point, there was enough that I realized it wasn't working. And I was kind enough to myself to say, I need a system that's going to now match my workload. Well, here's here's what some people say. So they're, they're advised to do, to, to, to do three things per day and no more. So you destroyed that. But what about the person who says, you have too many projects or you're, you're, you, you have too many interests. You need to cut them back. So that, that's a really popular piece of advice. Cut back yeah. your projects. Cut back your commitment. Get rid of two kids. <laughs> and there's a fallacy. There's a fallacy in that, which is that mm-hmm. if you stop, like for example, if you if you think somebody tells you you got to cut something, so cut. Don't don't exercise as much. So then you say, okay, well, I'll only go walking once a week as opposed to my five times a week. So I cut back my exercise, and that way I'll have more time to do my project. Uh-huh. Well, the truth is that if you're a creative, committed person, you're going to keep creating at that level three using uh-huh. the crack the maturity model. When you're the principal, you'll keep creating more and more and more things. It's not a function of what you call project. It's a function of your capacity to create and assign yourself new tasks. And that will always fill up, fill up, fill up, fill the task list to the brim because you yes. won't stop being creative and you won't stop being committed. Mm-hmm. So you may stop exercising. Okay, that's nice. Right. So we but stopped still, exercising, which gives us more time now for these other things, but then we take on more. So then exactly what else are we going to cut out? Well, well I'll cool. just cut out eating, you know, and then I'll have more time to work on my pre- No, no. <laughs> People do that though. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. you know, right? People people skip meals mm-hmm. in order to get through the day. People skip exercise for years in order to get through a decade. People right. stop yeah. visiting their parents because they don't have the time to get through an adulthood. Mm-hmm. Now, these things, what you're implying is that they come back and they eventually they bite you in the butt because there's a feedback loop there somewhere with these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cannot escape because you're the president. You can't stop brushing your teeth. It doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. There is a. There are. There is an increase in task volume that you can't just willingly say, "Well, I, I'll just scale back." It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's false. It's false. It's it's poor coaching, and doesn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think there's some good exercises that, that do fit for, for all of us. Somehow, some way, putting it in whatever system you have so that you can see the whole thing. You know, what's the totality of what's on my plate? Is it 500 tasks? Is it so many repeating tasks? What What is it? And then what are the things that that I don't like doing that don't need to be done? What are some things where I'm wondering, why do I even keep doing that? Why is that thing on the list? Get rid of some of those things. What are things that we can automate? You know, the great thing about living in in the time we do is 
how many things technology can do for us. You know, right. can I bank draft some things instead of sitting down writing all those checks? Um, you know, what, what can I have technology do for me? And if I don't know how to set that up, who does know how to set that up that I could make a phone call and they could help me do that. And so many of us, we just kick the can down the road and we don't make those kinds of, you know, of decisions. Um, we don't know how to, to make those systematic improvements. We yeah. kind of like, we, we want that, we want that magical improvement from the new magical app as opposed <laughs> yeah. to following kind of what you're saying is make clean up what you're currently doing in a mindful way yes it will show you what's next as opposed to this magpie kind of chasing shiny objects it's a very modern way of trying to solve problems just to you know go to a google search and ooh, shiny mm -hmm. new object and then go after that but there's a, I think what you're, what you're implying is that your improvement is more a matter of an inside journey than an outside discovery. It is. That's yes. Unlikely to be Absolutely. an epiphany from the outside. If, if there's any epiphany, it'll come from kind of a reflection. Um, there's one thing I wanted to add to, to what we are saying before we pivot over to uh, purely talking about solutions, which is that the, the, What's confounding about this whole thing, I, and when I coach people, I hear this, is that, like, for example, let's use the example of Peter uh -huh. from the story. So Peter is, is, is back to 345 unread emails in a matter of a, a few weeks from inbox zero to hundreds. And he, he may very well think that this symptom, which he suffered with for years, cause of it is the same cause that he had five years ago because you might think it's like oh it's kind of like the common cold you know you sure. here's what you do when you have the common cold you take vitamin c you rest take lots of liquids you da, 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 da. you know there's a and when the problem comes back the human tendency is to tackle the problem the same way but what he doesn't realize is that he's not the person he was 10 years ago and he's not using the system he was 10 years ago the only thing that's the same is the symptom. And the, the fact that the symptom is similar is a huge red herring for most of us. Because like me, I thought that, oh, you know, I'm not managing, so I need to go back, give up time blocking and go back to what I was doing before. No, instead, these symptoms show up whenever our volume gets to the point where it starts to increase above our capacity so that could be you could have five tasks and you're forgetting or you can have 500 tasks and you're forgetting or you're not executing them the way you want right symptom is the same but you're not in the same position so you can't turn back the clock and say oh well, when i had five tasks what i did was i started to write them down on a piece of paper and keep the piece of paper in my breast pocket because that's what mm -hmm. worked when I was forgetting stuff. Yeah. No, you're a whole different person. You're using sophisticated tools. You're using, you're using software. And you now need to evaluate the symptom in the light of where you are now. 
not where you were. And mm -hmm. that, that I find it confounds a lot of people. Have you, have you seen that happen, Brian? All the time. All the time. And some of us write articles that, unfortunately, that they have titles like, um, um, are you forgetting to do important things each day? And we have, here are the three steps that you need to follow. And we're really talking to Frank Buck when he was 18 in the article. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking to uh, mm -hmm. a principal of a school or a CEO of a company who has hundreds of tasks. So they pick up the advice, they pick up the article and they're like, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not gonna work for me. I'm not 18 years, and they, if they even realize that much, some of them may say, okay, you're right, I need to simplify things. I need to do three things per day. And they may even take us literally, and the principal is now acting like an 18 year old because they're trying anything that will help. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we, we confound, we confound, we confound the diagnosis when we make it sound as if a symptom has always have, has a particular cause in task management. Because in task management, to follow your maturity model, it just doesn't work that way. What does that yep. sound to you? I'm kind of putting three things together. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm thinking as you're as you're mentioning that said that article, uh, you know, and here are the three things to do to manage your time and 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 so forth. Uh, and you know, probably number one is going to be write it down. Was well, that applicable to an 18 year old? Sure. If they're trying to keep it all in their head, there's an opportunity to improve. Um, are we talking to a 30-year-old, absolutely, if you're trying to keep it all in your head, you know, are you talking to the CEO? Absolutely. But what does that look like in practice? Where is it being written down um, when you're the 18-year-old that needs to do page 37 in the math book as opposed to a CEO who needs to make this phone call and when he does, needs to have this document in front of him that lives on this drive and three different URLs and three different emails. And how do we get, a, where are we going to put all of that together? Now, if somebody was following me around, they would see exactly how I do it and go, Oh, okay. And, and one of the nice things about having been, for example, a principal or a central office administrator, and there are other people around you who get to see you on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I never get my, my first year as a principal. And so nobody in the school knows me and I've got my day timer. So that was back before anything was digital. And what they noticed was, well, you know, that new principal, he's always carrying around that little book. And he's always writing stuff in it. What's he writing? Yeah. And so uh, when when I did a little session with the faculty you know, on, on those professional development days, you know, when you got to come up with something and it's usually boring. And so we just did just a session. on. I showed them the tickler file and my day timer. And they were like, wow. Now, that is so simple. And how do you manage, you know, how do you do this kind of thing with the tickler file? And you just go through some use case scenarios and it's like, 
Yeah. You know, now if you just told me, here's the tool, that's, that's one thing. But when I'm actually understanding exactly the methodology behind how you're using it, how it gets in the system. So you to be able to follow people around a little bit, that's one of the things that, you know, you're not able to do with the article. You're not able to follow the author around to see exactly how do they do what they do. Because what you then see is, Oh, okay. That is, that becomes simple. You know, as a band director, we didn't send everybody home with their clarinet and say, Hey, just here's your clarinet. Go for it. Said, let, let me demonstrate line one for you. Oh, now I see about how much air he's, Oh, he's got, he's getting a bigger sound. It's much loud. Oh, he look at how much air he's taking in. Um, you know, when they're able to sort of walk, not necessarily walk a mile in your shoes, but walk behind you as you're doing these things. I, I think that's the missing link for so, so many of us. You know, we all need yeah. mentors in so many different ways. Um, we, we, we can't, we can't all get them, unfortunately. Right. So we yeah, need, yeah. we need people who know a thing or two to share principles in a way that, I guess it's a it's a substitute for having a, a live individual with you because mm-hmm. you can you can learn it but in the abstract without yes. having to be with the person. If you can be with a person who tells you, here's the principle behind what I'm doing. So watch what I'm doing and learn that, understand that there's a principle I'm applying. Now, not every mentor does that. They just will tell you, just just do what I do. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, sir, you salute the flag and you go try do it. And then the circumstance changes slightly. And because you don't know the principle, then you don't know how to apply it. But good mentors, right? Good mentors teach you the principle behind what they're doing. Bad mentors don't even have principles. They're just right. doing it. <laughs> yeah. You're saying mm-hmm. it's working, so just do it. Yeah, they, they teach you the principle and the step one, two, three. I, I'll use just a, a sports example. You know, I'm from the state of Alabama, and we really like our football team there at the University of you Alabama. Do. And when when Nick Saban was hired as the as the head coach, he was hired away from the Miami Dolphins during a period of time. It, it was kind of a low period for the University of Alabama football team. And and the thing he said to the athletic director was you've just hired yourself one heck of a recruiter. Now, I think anybody, if if they say, now, how can I have a successful college football team? We'd say, well, look, go out and recruit really good players. So it's like, okay, let me put that on my list. Recruit really good players. Well, everybody knows that, but why are some people successful and other people are not? Now, what we found is, well, yeah, Nick Saban every year is recruiting, if not the number one recruiting class in the country, it's right up there. But you know what we've seen over the years? The assistant coaches who have worked for him and then gone out to be head coaches on their own, okay, they're also fantastic recruiters. Oh, so okay. they've seen not only, oh, you need to be a great recruiter, They've been there to see exactly what does that look like day one, day two, day three. 
in bite-sized enough things or bite-sized enough steps that they can then reproduce that. And so okay. that could be in football, that could be in band, that in could be management. in leading a school, that could be in leading, you know, in leading a corporation. Right. The, 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 the great thing about the examples that you described is that each of them actually has a curriculum laid out. Somebody has pre-thought it. Mm -hmm. So you can actually follow someone else's system. You know, the movie Moneyball is a great, great example. But in task management, we're left to our own devices. We're, we're just making stuff up because the principles of task management, you know, even in a great book like GTD, uh -huh. they're mixed in with specific practices. They're mixed in with some things that made sense way back when the book was written in 2001. Don't make sense today. The book says don't do time blocking. And other parts, David Allen says, okay, block this in your calendar. So, <laughs> so right. it has, yeah. so the job I think of, of us as people who really want to be productive is to listen to podcasts like these and say, and ask ourselves, what are the deeper principles behind what is being said or what's being written on the page that I can apply everywhere? And how can I use that for, not just forever, but to do what you said, Frank, which is to do that kind of deep dive into it. If I'm having those symptoms like Peter is, then I need to bring these principles to bear to where I am right now. And when I bring them to bear to where I am right now and start to, as you said, clean things up, or in other words, make this as good as it can be, then I can I earn the right to see where the improvements could come from. Because I'm going to try to apply the same principles. But I'm looking now for some daylight. Yeah. To say, okay, when this gets as good as it can, then I can maybe forge a path to where I can get to. That's that's what I'm I'm in combining the different things that 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 we've said. If you can get a mentor to help, all the better. But there, in the in the area of that, in the world that we're working in, task management, you can get somebody who's really productive. And they may never explain anything to you because they may they themselves may not really have principles. They may just have practices. Some of them may have principles that actually aren't principles or they don't actually work out mm -hmm. of a particular context. So then you've got to be thinking. But there's like a second order of thinking that you need to bring to the party in order to make sense yeah. of it. How does that sound? Is, I, I, in a way, I'm trying to summarize because we're actually out of time. But how does right. that sound as a kind of a absolutely? Yeah, you know, and and even a lot of those people who are doing things successfully, explaining to someone else how they're doing it, a lot of times that thought process process is not there. Whereas you and I, when we're we're in this field, we're thinking about this kind of stuff all the, all the time. time. Right. We're different, but we, we we're kind of. Absolutely. We kind of want everyone to do that because Peter's story is common. Uh -huh. It sure. happens to everybody. They, that you, 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 you're a teacher. You say, I want to be an administrator. You're an administrator. You say, I want to be a principal. That's just kind of normal. And as you make that, as you make that journey, what you said about transitioning from someone who does tasks given to me by others to generating my own tasks from my creativity and my commitment 
every career, everyone in every career makes that journey if they are, if they want to, if they want to, if they're ambitious, they, they make that, that change. But as they make that change, the task volume goes up and they will have to make multiple jumps. And I guess what, what we're, what we close up maybe by saying is that those multiple jumps are not easy to make because there isn't, it's not like football where it's all laid out. Somebody has figured out the philosophy and figured out the principles. You've got to figure out the principles more or less on your own. And you've got to sort of do this deep diving that you talked about without much help, probably, because you probably can't afford a, 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 a most people can't afford a coach or a mentor. They can't sit in a course for two days. Ordinary folks, you know, it really does come from this kind of um, deep insight that you get from thinking about it hard on your own. Well, Frank, with that, whew, how can folks get more, more, more of your thinking and your ideas? Okay, come over, come over to the website, frankbuck.org. See, I've been blogging since like 2005, so you can just have fun. Don't try to read all the posts that are in there, but you know, you, you can search for whatever you're, you know, if it's Remember the Milk, search for Remember the Milk, Evernote, you know, wh whatever you're interested in. I've probably written about it. Um, get on my email list. You'll see right there on the homepage where you can do that. And every Tuesday, you get an email from me that says, here's the new content that I have created over the last week. Plus, here's some things that I've read over the last week or two that I like that I think you would like. So it's uh, you, you know kind of keep. You know, people ask me, Frank, how do you how do you know all this stuff? Well, I have the time to do it, and then I put it there so that other people don't have to go through the same process that I do, that, that there are those little tidbits for you. So come over to the website, frankbuck.org, get on the email list and, um, and we'll just go from there. It's, it's a journey that I hope, uh, where I hope you'll join me. Great. So I have, I have a request of you, Frank, that you, before the, before the episode goes live, that you write a post on the maturity model. Can you there do we that? go. Yeah, yeah. Great. And then I'll drop it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. So that folks can go link right back to it because we, we'll have a, we'll have a we'll, we'll have enough time. Yeah, it'll be a few weeks sure. good before they absolutely before it goes yeah. Down. So they can, I they like can that idea. That thinking. Yeah. Because I think there's there's some there's there's some some there's a clear evolutionary principle in terms of one's career that you've nailed with that maturity model, and I think it it deserves some legs. And I think anybody can use it as long as they're ambitious, as long as they want to make progress in their career, they're, they're going to have to make this transition that you described. So thanks, Frank Buck, for appearing on the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. And that's the interview. I did indeed do a post on the maturity model. Come over to frankbuck.org slash new dash responsibilities. I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes. Thanks for stopping by today. This has been Frank Buck helping you get organized and make it look easy.